today we come to the book of Obadiah, the shortest book in the Old Testament. Just a several judgment poems about one nation, not Israel, Edom. Now, who is Obadiah? Obadiah was the first of the prophets, which we call the pre-exilic or the prophets before the exile. He was sent 300 years before the Babylonian exile. So basically, after him came many, many more prophets to warn God's people that one day, if they disobeyed God, they would go into exile. So can you imagine warning somebody for 300 years before the punishment? Now that's our God. People think God is like some kind of, you know, just burst out in anger and then judges his people, you know, and he's a, like a dictator. No, no, no. God's judgment came after 300 years of warning to the children of Israel through many, many different prophets, each one using a different method to try to, to, try to uh, warn the children of Israel. Now the word Obadiah, the name means servant of Yahweh. Yah, Obadiah, right? Yahweh. And uh, he could be servant of Yahweh or worshipper of Yahweh. Now who were, who were the Edomites? The Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Now we know that Esau and Jacob were two twin brothers born to Isaac. Now, there was huge rivalry between these two brothers. We've talked about that before. And that rivalry, sibling rivalry, largely because of favoritism from the dad and the mum, and that caused a rivalry that lasted 2,000 years. Again, a warning to all parents. Please don't pit one child against another by favoritism. Sometimes you don't realize you're pitting one kid against another. You say, and I just like this guy more. Never, never bring it up. You may like someone more and it's natural, but never highlight it. Never mention it. Both are your kids. Both are given by God. Love them. Right? And be careful of starting rivalry. Now, Esau was reddish in complexion or hair or whatever. And therefore, he was nicknamed Edom. Edom means red. And his descendants were called Edomites. Jacob, when he had a breakthrough from God, was no more called Jacob because Jacob means deceiver. God gave him a new name, Israel, Prince of God. And so the descendants of Jacob are called Israelites. And the 
competition between the two Edomites, children of descendants of Esau, Israelites, descendants of Jacob, continued to be rivals for a long time. Just remember, huh? the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. The rivalry continues to today. Almost 4,000 years. But thankfully, the competition between Israelites and Edomites ended 2,000 years ago simply because of this prophecy. Edomites don't exist anymore. There are no such people called Edomites. All right, Edom, the kingdom was across the Dead Sea on the eastern side. The Israelites live on the western side, right? And Edom became a very powerful place for two reasons. One, they dwelt in a place, today it's a tourist attraction. A million tourists a year go there. The city is called Petra. Petra is just the Greek word for rock, Peter. Petra, if you go as a tourist, is an amazing place. There are huge rooms, caverns, like cathedrals almost, built into the rock face, high up on the hills. And the Edomites were so proud of their uh, impregnable position because they live up there. You know, always in the old days, warfare, when you are up there, just like in Jerusalem, up on Mount Zion, you always control the battle because basically you shot down your arrows at people. Arrows fought gravity to go up, right? So they were, they felt they were impregnable. That made them very, very proud people. They looked down on others. They were really up there, literally looking down on others. Secondly, the position, geographical position of Petra was on a very important trade route between the rest of the world and Arabia. And so they also were rich. So they were militarily powerful and they were rich. And that made them proud. So let's just look. It's a very short book, so we can do almost like a mini uh, quick Bible study. All right, let's look at verse 3. This describes them. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Wow! When this declaration was made to Edom, it was almost ridiculous. They were so powerful militarily, they were so prosperous economically, and who is this Obadiah to make this prophecy that we will be brought down? Okay? 
Now, why did God want to bring them down? Of course, we know pride. God just hates pride. When we are proud, God will bring us down. Okay, because when you're proud, you look down on everybody. And eventually, you look down on God. I don't need God. Who needs God? I have everything. That's what rich people basically feel. Why do I need God? Tell me. You weak people down there, you need God because you're weak. That's how they feel. And so God, the moment God senses pride, he whacks. He knows it's going to lead to this horrible sin, right, of the creature daring to look down on the Creator who made him. So be careful about pride. The moment you have more wealth, you have more position, more reputation, my friend, whether it's religious, whether you're a pastor, nobody pastor become famous, my friend, keep low. Keep low. Because the tendency to pride is the road to death and destruction. Now, so we see here, God's going to destroy them. Let's look at verse 5 and verse 6. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed. Will they not steal only enough for themselves? If great gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. God says, you know, if thieves came to you, they just rob what they want. But for you, it will not just be a robbery, it will be a destruction. You will be pillaged, totally destroyed. You say, why God? I mean, you want to humble them? Just bring them back to ground zero and give them a chance again. I mean, after all, you say, you're proud, you may look down on the Creator. So bring them down so they're not proud. Why do you want to destroy them utterly? Right? Let's look at verse 10. To verse 14, the reason for God's total destruction for them. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, Jacob's wealth, uh, Israel's wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not, just watch the do nots, do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. 
do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. Wow. What was Edom guilty of besides pride? They were guilty of taking advantage of the Israelites whenever they were in distress. When Israel was attacked by any group of people, be it Philistines, Arabians, Babylonians, whatever, the Edomites always came in and took advantage of them. They saw they were helpless. The attackers had taken most of the stuff. They come in and they grabbed the rest of what they can. There were survivors. They grabbed the survivors and sold them as slaves. In other words, they took advantage of God's people's weaknesses in that time of weakness. This is the whole lesson of Obadiah. This little book is very important. Every leader in the world, national leader, has to read this one chapter Bible book because it is the theology for all nations in how they deal with God's people, whether they be Israelites or whether they be Christians. God's people, don't bully them. Don't take advantage of them when they are minorities, right? Every every national leader must read this or face the wrath of God as Edom did. So I hope you see here that number one sin was not pride. The number one sin was oppression of the Israelites. They were not strong enough to attack Israel. They let the big powers attack them, Assyria, Babylon, Egypt, whatever. But whenever Israel was weakened, they jumped in and took advantage, right? Then we see, is this a lesson just for Edom? Look at verse 15. For the day of the Lord is near upon all nations. You can underline that in your Bible. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. So the principle here is for all nations. The example is Edom. Edom took advantage of God's people. So God's going to really whack them. All nations, listen. You do the same, you get the same. All right? So here we see here a very important lesson. And we will see it unfolding throughout history. Nations that were good to Israel, like Britain long ago, God bless. The day Britain stopped protecting Israel, the British Empire literally collapsed. America the same. America's power is not because Americans are more brilliant than anybody else. Because they protected Israel. The moment they stopped, the mighty British Empire disappeared. It's no more British Empire. It's a joke. The American power will also disappear the day they stop protecting Israel. 
Same with Christians. Countries that persecute Christians. I don't care how mighty they are. Like some countries today, very powerful, they say the next economic power, the next economic power, and they punish, they persecute Christians. You think God's just sleeping? You think this book is about Edomites? All nations you've done unto them, I will do to you. All right? So God said he will annihilate, he will obliterate Edom. How, do we, how will he do it? Verse 19. Those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau. History tells us people from the Negev desert, there's a desert south of this Edom, came and attacked them, the impregnable fortress, and they never really recovered after that. Now, history tells us that possibly the last Edomites were the dynasty of Herod. King Herod was an Edomite. He ruled during the time of Jesus. The scepter had left Israel, right? And Herod was actually not a Jew. He was an Edomite. And he ruled. Herod the first, Herod second, Herod third, until his great-grandson, Agrippa. You can find his name in Book of Acts. And then after that, that was about AD 100. We don't hear Edomites anymore. Now when, of course, when Obadiah made this prophecy, it sounded quite ridiculous. Obadiah saying, Esau will disappear. And then we go on to read, the last part of Obadiah, how Israel would grow bigger and bigger and take over these lands and be finally become part of the eternal kingdom. Now, at the time when Obadiah made this prophecy, it looked exactly the opposite. Israel would disappear. It was getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And the powers were coming in, and Edom was still high and mighty. So when we read it now, it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Edomites, no more, no big deal. But when Obadiah made this prophecy, people will say, are you sure you got it right? Edom will disappear. I thought Israel would disappear. Well, that's how prophecy works, okay? So today, there are no more Edomites don't exist. Obadiah prophesied that. It took a long time. A long time. God's judgments are sure. God's timing is not our timing. One day is like a thousand years. For God, it's one thousand years is just one day. Because in eternity, a thousand years is Less than one day is nothing. <laughs> All right? So just be sure, when God makes a judgment, it will come to pass. And you'll keep saying, when? When? I don't see it. I don't see it. Because your little time frame is so short. So at the end of it all, what was God actually doing? He was just fulfilling a promise he made to Abraham. 
in Genesis chapter 12, right at the beginning when he called Abraham, he made a promise. Genesis 12 verse 3, he said to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Those that bless you, I bless them. Whether it's Britain, whether it's America, whatever, I don't know. Those that curse you, I will curse them. I'm glad my country, Singapore, and Israel are the best of friends. I'm glad of that. And I see the prosperity of my land, Singapore. My country. It's not because we're smarter than anybody else. Some say it's our geography, yeah, it does help to be in the right place, certainly it does. But you can be in the right place. A lot of cities in the right place, very strategic, and miserable places. But Singapore is blessed because we value our relationship with a tiny country called Israel. So what do we learn from this tiny little book? We have learned that God is jealous for his children. Okay. I want you to understand the word jealous because even dictionaries don't understand the word anymore. They mix up the word jealousy and envy. Envy is, I feel very sad that someone has some, some more than me. I want to take what he has so that I don't need to envy him. Jealousy is simply me being very protective of my possessions. I'm jealous for my wife. Why? She's my wife. I'm jealous for my reputation. It's right. It's my reputation. Don't take it and don't slander me. If you're not zealous for your post possessions. I feel sorry for your wife. I feel sorry for your kids. I'm jealous for my kids. If anybody hurts my kids, gives them horrible influence, I will do something about it. Because I'm jealous for my kids. They are my precious kids. That's my precious wife. And people say, oh, God is a jealous God. He is jealous for his Honor, because he's honorable. He's jealous for his reputation. He's jealous for his glory, because he's glorious. He's protecting his rightful position. He's not trying to say he's egoistical. He wants to take other people's glory. No, the glory belongs to him. Alone. Any other glory, any other ones take glory is crazy. All glory came from him. All power came from him. God takes away his power with dead ducks tomorrow. Dead. Right? So God is a jealous God. Understand that. This Bible tells us God is jealous for his people. And I'm thankful he's jealous for me. I'm his child. He's going to protect me. Anybody bullies me, God will deal with him. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful I had a good physical, uh, biological father who loved me and protected me. I'm thankful for that. All right. So that principle is very important. God's children, whether it's Israel or whether it is Christians today. You know, 
when Saul was on the road to Damascus and he was struck by God down. The voice came, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul's thinking, I never persecute you, God. But actually Saul was persecuting God's people. As far as God is concerned, he was persecuting God. You touch my kids, you dare touch my kids. You touch my wife, you dare, she's part of me. Right? That's my God. I love this God. Because he's a real father. He stands by me. I am part of him. Wow. Jealous God, jealous God. What kind of God is that? Best God is a jealous God. Jealous for his. Any idol is jealous for his glory. is insane. He didn't even make himself. He's made by a carver of wood or stone. But God, the glory is his, the power is his, everything is his. He's jealous for that. Right? If you read the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 25, God divides the nations, the sheep nations, the goat nations. How does he divide them? The sheep nations were those, he said, that fed me. They gave me water to drink when I had none. And the people said, I, how did I give water to you, God? In Matthew 25, verse 33 to 40, God said, when you gave water, a glass of water to the least of my people, you did it to me. Hope you understand this. Take care of God's people. Lord will bless you. When people are nice to my kids, I'm very thankful. I'm grateful to them. Always. That's a father. People are wicked to my kids. I will protect my kids. I'll make sure that guy will never be wicked to my kids again. All right? So, I hope you understand this, okay? I hope national leaders understand this, that nations will be judged by their behavior to Christians and to Israel. This is really a tiny book, but it's probably the most important principle for any national leader to lead his country to success. It's not how great his economy is, how great his political savvy is, his strategy, but how much God blesses him. If he blesses God's people, I will bless them. That bless thee, God said. I will curse them that curse thee because my children are precious to me, God says. Touch my children, you touch the apple of my eye. What's the apple of the eye? The iris. The most sensitive part of the eye, you touch eye. Straight away, there's a response. The moment you touch it, it will hit you back. Don't touch my eye. That is our God. Okay, so little book. Great lessons about a jealous God. In a very real sense, it's very hard to touch God. He's high and lifted up.
in a real sense, it's very tempting to bully the people of God. Warning, great warning, even to you, Christian. Take care. Give a glass of cold water to the least of God's people, and you will be blessed. God bless you. Thank you.